Welcome to episode 38 of the Worship Drummer Podcast. This is John Manna, your host. And you are part of a global group of Christian drummers who are continually striving to put the heart before beat. Why? Because we believe that worship is about the work of your hands and heart. Follow along online at worshipdrummer.com or you can always hit me up on Instagram at worshipdrummer. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Well, what's up, everybody? This is episode 38 of the Worship Drummer podcast, and I'm excited to present to you today a Worship Drummer hangout conversation that we had on our YouTube channel. It was live on November 30th, 2022. 9 p.m. Eastern, for those of you who care. And uh, we have Austin Davis joining us. We actually don't talk too much about drums. And maybe I shouldn't say that on the Worship Drummer podcast, but we do get a life update. Uh, We talk about his tattoo on his head. We talk about how the thing about the mug in the car became a thing and also, you know, the Am I Doing It Right, where you, uh, you'll you see them probably on Instagram where they're doing their, their what am I trying to say, their kick pedal. They're uh, like in a sound check setting. So we have a great conversation. It was good to catch up with Austin. For those of you who maybe missed it, he was episode number six, I believe, on the Worship Drummer podcast way back in the beginning days in 2016. We were here in Toronto back then, and he was on the Empires Tour opening with Lauren Daigle, opening for Hillsong United. So it was cool to catch up, Um, and I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I'll put it out there right here at the beginning. If you are wanting to become a producer, you'll find this episode particularly interesting because that's basically the the transition that Austin's been making these last few years, more in the producer seat than uh, perhaps on the drum throne. So with that being said, I don't want to extend this intro any longer than necessary, but I'm very excited to share with you this conversation. If you want to watch our YouTube video of this conversation, you can definitely head to at Worship Drummer on YouTube, and you can catch it there. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Austin Davis. I apologize at the start of this video for the state of my studio slash garage slash room that I work out of. I have a work desk set, like work bench situation set up here, and Normally it's all clean and nice and like set up for people to sit, but it's just in an embarrassing state and I just couldn't, I still have work to do on it. So I was just like, I'm not going to tear it down just for this, but (laughs) so you have to live with it, but no one would, I could have just not said anything and no one would have known, but there's just like gaff tape everywhere and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff, but love it. No, you're good. I should have put like drums behind me or something. That would have been more appropriate. Wait, wait, wait. Right there. Very good. (laughs) 
See, you、uh, know, you know your audience. I know it. I try. Um, anyone watching on YouTube, if you could just let us know how the audio is, and you give me a thumbs up, you can hear Austin. You can hear me. Let us know where you're watching from. And tonight we're just going to hang out. We're going to have fun. We're going to ask some questions later on. You'll ask questions to Austin, and I'll pose them on your behalf. Tight. So in the live chat, you could do that. Audio is fine. Wonderful. Fine is good. Yeah. So let's.、Um, man, I have a lot of questions I want to ask you. So yeah, like the the first half of these hangouts are kind of like John Mana being selfish a little bit. Okay. No, I'm and, all about it. It's been then, a long time, bro. We haven't got to catch up in a while. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, actually. So when we had coffee for that,、uh, when you were out playing for Lauren Daigle, that、mm-hmm. was 2016. Yeah, that's、wow. a long time ago. Six, yeah, six years yeah. ago. <laughs> that's insane. And、uh, yeah, a lot changed since then. Were you? Yeah, 2016. You were already, yeah. Belonging was a was like in year two already. It was still pretty new stages, especially in the on the music front. I think that was either the year or the year before we released our first album. I think so. It was、um, the church had been a thing for maybe three years at that point,、um, but yeah, the music hadn't been a thing yet. But yeah.、That's- That's crazy.、Mm-hmm. Um, 2016, like, oh yeah, that was the United tour. Yes. Yeah. The, yeah.、Uh, Empires. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's ages ago. Yeah. Cool. So、like、three albums ago. Yeah. So for those of you who are just joining us, maybe you never like listened to it on the podcast.、Um, I think it was episode six, way back on the Worship Drummer podcast. So Austin, what we're doing now、mm-hmm. is instead of like I would do these audio podcasts and then try to like upload them on YouTube and yeah. Like, so we're actually we flipped the script around with these hangouts. So this will become an episode on the podcast. Oh, sick! Yeah, yeah. And, I'll make、uh, sure I try to say good things then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, what? even if we just hang, like the value is there. Good. Yeah. So,、um, why don't we start there? Like, what's what's changed in the last six years in life? Oh、um, man. Obviously. So r- most recently, I know you re- you announced. Uh, that you resigned from the belonging、mm-hmm. in terms of your official role, yeah. But obviously, still playing drums and involved there, yeah.、Um, so we'll get to that eventually. But、sure. yeah, like catch us up on the last six years, <laughs> uh, uh, if, if you could. No, yeah. So 2016, that was probably my biggest. That was definitely my biggest touring year of my life.、Um, kind of. Doing double duty with Carrie and Cody and Lauren on and off. I was gone like two hundred plus days that year. It was、and. it was gnarly, and I had also just had my first and still only child, and so it was kind of a gnarly time to be gone all the time. And 
even though it was like a dream touring year for me as a player, it was like I got to the end of that year and I was like, this was amazing and I love this, but it's not sustainable. Um, and so right after that, so 2017, I really started to like kind of move some of the eggs out of my touring drummer basket and um, started kind of investing in learning how to build tracks and like kind of getting into music production. And I had always been songwriting. Um, I mean, I, I, when I moved to Nashville, I wanted to be a songwriter and kind of like, and, and I, I was before that, like in a previous life before, um, like in high school, I was writing songs for my church and my youth group. And then when I moved to Nashville, you know, that, and this happens to a lot of people, but I moved and it was like, oh, everyone's better than me at this. And, mm. uh, you know, I wanted to do all these other things, even outside of drums when I moved here in music. And I was like, oh, okay, well, nobody knows me for this, but I'm like, drums is what I'm best at at this moment. So I'm really going to put all my eggs in the drum basket and get as good at that and be the best session player I can be and the best touring drummer I can be and just making myself as valuable as possible and like learning Ableton and all those things. And then fast forward to after 2016, that awesome touring year, it was like, okay, cool. That was sick, but I can't do this forever this way. And so then I started to kind of move my eggs back into the like songwriting production basket. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was also like, it was like I had anticipated that there was going to be a shift, something like, I don't know if it was like the Holy Spirit or what. It was just like, I could just feel like, a, okay, like touring the fun, the really fun, like this is all I want to do. Things started to kind of slowly drift. And, and I think God was just preparing me for what was coming, like kind of making space and, um, I just started getting opportunities to write with people and um and this is before I wasn't set out I like I didn't set out to start producing music at all. Um I knew I had a knack for arranging music and yeah. you know drummers have like a good idea of like dynamics like that's what we're good at. Um at least I I hope that's what we're good at. <laughs> <laughs> um that's a big part of what we do. And so uh but I was in these like writing sessions with people and just like you know, we'd find ourselves sitting around with like three guitars and I'd be like, yo, like I, I know Ableton enough to make, I could at least put a kick drum down, like, or I could make a beat in Ableton and we can play to that. And then I was like, well, I know a little bit of keys, so maybe I'll play some piano or synths and then I'll play synth bass. And then, and then it kind of just like turned into a demo. And then I kind of became like, accidentally like a track guy in a writing session and then because of that i started getting invited to even more writes because it was like i had just like i guess doubled my value as like a writer producer and i didn't know what i was doing it was ultimate fake it till you make it but <laughs> um i still probably don't really know what i'm doing it's just like <laughs> trusting your taste i guess but like i um so yeah and and then just kind of that world started opening up for me and started writing songs for the belonging um my church and helping to like program some of the tracks and stuff for that second record that we released called on wonder 
and was a part of the writing on some of those songs. And that was really like my first kind of entry into that on like a high level other than maybe like one other song before that. And so since then, that's become like a big thing and just like a gradual crossfade from 2017 to 2020 of like being full-time drummer, part-time or like amateur producer to kind of full-time production and like part-time drummer, (laughs) which is kind of where I'm at now. Um, And so... Yeah, I mean, a lot has happened in between all that, um, but just like getting better and growing at that was still on the road with Carrie and Cody and other things. And then um, at the top of 2020, you know, I wasn't planning on a pandemic like everyone else, but I did already like I had felt this shift with me and my wife had both like, you know, felt like it was kind of coming to a time where like we wanted to shift in career and life and um you know just like we knew something was going to be next but we didn't know what it was going to be um and so we had sort of like literally in march like as it was about to hit um i was looking to kind of transition off the road and maybe just going to take the leap of faith to be full-time producer and session drummer and all those things and um And then, you know, COVID forced us to come off the road, regardless of my plans. And in that time, I, um, I like invested in a bunch of gear to be tracking drums at home. I was like, all right, well, this is my moment. Like my house is, my room isn't treated. I was in this old seventies house and, um, someone was like, you just need to do it. And because I was, you know, all these producers needed drums on tracks and we couldn't do them in studios so right they're like you need to figure out how to track drums at your house so i was i you know that was the motivation i needed and um so yeah i just invested and um started doing that during quarantine and that's been like such a huge gift and something i still do um track drums at home all the time honestly i probably track drums at home way more than a studio now um, wow. which is fun and kind of sad because studios are awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's cool. cool. It's a blessing to get to do. But anyway, right around when everyone was still in quarantine, kind of like all of a sudden, God kind of just like opened up this door at The Belonging. And, you know, Henry had, our pastor had been kind of producing the records on his own up until that point. And, Um, with some help of some other guys, but it was just getting, you know, he's the senior pastor of like a growing church and it's really hard to find time to produce live albums and they're very time consuming. And, um, so, and I had already been like very invested in the ministry and like already working on the music in a high capacity. And so they offered me the job to come on and be the producer of like their music co-producer with Henry and, um, And so kind of made the like hard decision to come off the road, kind of give up what I had known and been known to do and kind of just like this kind of identity shift a little bit for me. Mm. And um, it was definitely hard. It felt like a sacrifice in a way of like, am I giving up drums? Am I giving up touring version of me? Am I, you know, am I ever going to get to travel again? All these things and uh, things that come with 
any kind of shift, there's always some kind of like identity challenge that yeah. you weren't really ready for. Um, but I knew that it was like what I was supposed to do. I knew that I was going to grow and learn a ton and um, that it was like a crucial time in my life and career and my family's life. And so I uh, took the job at The Belonging and um, it was amazing. Learned an insane amount. We made three albums while I was there in two and a half years and Um, it was nonstop and, um, yeah. And basically just like this year, I just started to feel the, the pull to, um, I'm to still be as involved as I was, but just coming off like normal staff, um, and, um, just to make space. I, I just feel like I'm in that transition season again of like, I don't know what's ahead, but I know that there's cool stuff on the horizon and so i'm not like leaving that for this it's just like i just am excited about whatever it is that god is like whatever this like holy kind of tension that i'm feeling is and so just kind of being obedient to that and excited about it but i mean I'm I'm just as involved with the belonging as as <laughs> as ever. I literally was there most of today having a meeting about the next album. So, um, yeah. you know, it's not really not much has changed other than I'm not in like staff meeting, but um still very plugged in and um but that's a very highly condensed version of what's happened since 2016. Um yeah. Well, For sure. No, that, that's awesome. There are a few things I want to come back to, but I yeah. uh, just want to go to the comments for a second. Um, your wife says, Phoenix is asking what eggs in a basket means. <laughs> you had mentioned that <laughs> earlier. It is Cute. funny because I caught myself and I was like, I've said that so many <laughs> times. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's really hard to explain things to a seven-year-old because they ask questions like that and like things you've never had to explain. You just say because it's like second nature. Yeah, but I can explain that to him another time, <laughs> later, son. <laughs> yeah, um, go to bed. And then shout out to uh, I guess this is some crew from the belonging, maybe Dustin Yeary. Oh yeah, Dustin Yeary, he's great. Uh, Parker Clark. Parker Clark. Those are all insanely good drummers. Oh, is Parker the guy that plays like Tuesday nights usually? He does play Tuesday nights a lot. Yeah, plays yeah. Plays in Columbia a lot. He plays Sunday sometimes. Um, he's a boss. What? Um, and he's got like longer hair, I think. Yep. Right? Oh yep. yeah. Okay. Parker, I see yep. you, bro. He's the man. Everybody, look out for him. He's on his way. Love it. Uh, yeah, so just checking. So by the way, we'll come to some questions in the live stream chat. So if you have them, you could start putting them in. Uh, we'll get to them maybe in about 10 minutes or so. And okay, just some of the things you mentioned already that I want to yeah. touch on. Like uh, identity. I think that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. And kind of like, you know, you're touring, you're... You're, you're known as like, oh, Carrie Job's drummer. Yeah. Cody's drummer. And, and now you kind of said, hey, I'm going to step away. Like, and you said, I didn't expect or I wasn't anticipating kind of feeling some of those things. Do you have any advice or something that you learned that, hey, maybe there's someone who 
their identity is only tied to what they do. Like I'm the drummer. Yeah. As opposed to who they are in Christ and any insight and encouragement. Yeah. What's funny, um, I'm going to, this is probably going to rabbit trail off, but what's funny is I didn't anticipate it because I've always thought of my someone who was more than a drummer Mm. and, and especially more than Carrie and Cody's or any artist specific drummer. Like I'm always like, if I'm a drummer, I'm just the drummer. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then it was like, I also, I also am like, but I'm not just that. I, I think I was like fighting for, I think in 2019, that era, I was like, I want to be looked at as more of, than a drummer. I I want to be a songwriter and I want to be a producer and I want to be all these other things in create in like a creative world. And I was like, I have so much capacity for more. And like all I wanted in that era was to be known for more than what I'm seeing that I do. You know what I mean? And so then when I finally, or God opens up an opportunity for me to like fully shift into something else, I wasn't ready for the like, Oh wait, I have to give up this thing which i was like had all this tension about being in people's eyes and um i i yet i didn't anticipate it because i thought i i thought i thought more of myself in a way and then i was like oh wait like <laughs> i'm gonna have to give up these endorsements and any uh wow it's like all the like any clout that you have it's like it literally it also challenges you in in your pride it like I felt like I was like humbling myself in a way um, of like, I didn't realize how much this meant to me that people knew me as this. And, mm. you know, when people are like, why aren't you going on the road? Um, why aren't you on, you know, the blessing tour after just doing that record and, and all those things, which I thought I didn't want to do. And then once I wasn't doing them, I was like, Oh wait, like, but that's, that's my thing. That's what I do. And right. um, so it was, It was hard. It it was just like a hard, challenging mindset thing. And someone like, I I think that I felt bad that I was in this new season and, um, and still like missing this old season. And someone who had walked through something similar to that, like, like talked to me and like, they could see that I was like kind of hurting and they were like, hey, just so you know, I walked through something like this once and like you're essentially like grieving an old season and it's okay. Um, And like that that was like a natural thing. And I mean, I had been doing that, you know, for 11 years and since I was like straight out of high school. So yeah, a lot of my identity was wrapped up in that and I just didn't know um, because I always had that to fall back on as like well this i do this you know and it felt like it was like at a high level and um and so yeah i think i think that that advice when someone like released me basically to be like hey it's okay to be like like bummed because you are you've you've essentially like shut down some version of what you used to do or what you used to be um and it's okay to feel like the sadness of that because you're mourning the end of something but 
on the other side of all that, it all kind of seems hilarious to me now, but it's like, um, everything I laid down, I got, I feel like I got back in so many other ways, mm. tenfold. Amen. And I've been like, I thought I was sacrificing and laying down so much, but honestly, all I've done was like grow in so many ways. And, um, my family has been so blessed because of it. And I've been super blessed and, um, career opportunities and all those kinds of things. And even, um, even as a drummer, like to even just kind of like step away as like, I'm the one who does this one thing, um, to be able to be more of the guy who gets to like position other people and, um, just make space for other people. And I also felt like it was time for me to like step into this place of like speaking into other players lives, um, whether they're drummers or not, but just people who do what I do. Um, and just like helping raise up those kinds of people. But, um, yeah, I hope that answers your question a little bit, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and on top of that, um, question I have is now that you've, like stepped i don't like the word step back but you get what i'm saying like stepped off the drum throne in one sense yeah and in this producer role do you find you've had like a brand new opportunity to uh how can i phrase it so okay let me rephrase the whole thing so as a drummer um there are certain aspects that you get to control like you know dynamics builds all that stuff so there's influence from that position Stepping into the producer seat, did you feel or do you feel like there's like a a fresh new way to influence sound and what Uh, what, what's coming out? Like I'm interested to to hear your thoughts on that part. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I had always felt like in in any project I was a part of, the drummer is always influencing the song um, and like I said before, like I always knew that I had this knack for arranging and like, you know, on the road and running tracks or even at the church, I was, I would always like speak my mind about a song, the way it was going, how it, what the arc should be and those sorts of things. But I wasn't like given the title or the authority or, you know, there is something to the, like, once you are given this, like, well, you're now in charge of this. There's a new level of authority that you step into and then yeah. also that people respect you as. Um, and that was something that was definitely like earned over years probably. Um, and so, yeah, there's, it was like, there was already like influence as like, you know, you're bringing your taste and what you think as a player is the best thing for what you do and for the song but then to be the person who kind of like takes all the pieces and all the sounds um and and like help everyone kind of catch your vision for what the song is um yeah it's a whole it feels like a whole new level and honestly it it's like the next step that i needed to feel like you know, excited about what I was doing. And um, I don't know. I It was, I think, and a part of like coming on staff at the church, I realized that there was just this new level of like, once somebody has like given you, like 
basically like I could put it like this like there are a lot of people who write songs and their song they are a songwriter because they write songs but yeah. once you're giving given a publishing deal by a label then you are an official songwriter like you are a professional songwriter right and so there was this bit of something like that where it was like oh like I'm the producer of this and so now I can fully feel empowered to speak into it every part of it and yeah it's that's my favorite thing about it i mean i love i love getting to play and produce but i also love getting to produce with other players and um communicating vision and everyone collaborating uh, yes yeah, that's what i love about doing that i love it um being at the belonging i know you mentioned pastor henry seeley already mm-hmm. um what was it like working alongside of him learning from him what what was hard about it what was like fascinating man he's he's a bit of a genius um he he can do most things at the church better than everyone else can (laughs) (laughs) but that's why he's uh really great is because he empowers other people and gives the knowledge that he has um learned over so much time Um, uh, if I'm being totally honest, like a big reason why I came on staff was to learn from him. Mm. Um, I knew that he had so much knowledge that I didn't have and I was already producing as a freelancer. I had done a couple, you know, projects, um, but it was very in my own world, very self-taught, very like, um, not immature, but just like I... I was new. I was very new. And um, I knew that that was like a crucial time. And like I and, you know, the way that 2020 was going, I was like, this is the perfect time to like basically hunker down and learn as much as I can. Like I felt like when I came into that season, I just felt like I was supposed to completely come in humble, completely like keep Mm -hmm. my head down, do the work, learn not really like and not really come up for air until like I felt like I had learned what I needed to learn um and so working under him was was amazing I mean he 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 didn't really necessarily like sit with me and like all right so this is how you do everything right um it was it was pretty much like here I'm gonna do this watch how I do it and then like you do this And then, like, he kind of critique as I was going along kind of thing. Um, no pressure. I can only think of, like, one day where we, I, like, sat by him and he taught me actually how to do, like, this whole thing. And I, like, took notes. But, like, that was it. And then that was, like, all right, now go make a 20-song record with, yeah. you know, that. And I, I definitely learned, like, a lot of it the hard way. It was, like... I was learning Pro Tools for the first time as well. So it was a learning curve and all of our albums are done in Pro Tools and I was all Ableton before that. And uh, so it was it was brutal, a lot of 2020 and working on the See the Light album. Um, and it was also a massive album. It's like 17 or 18 songs. Yeah. And I had never done anything that big either. And... um. Yeah, and live albums are just hard. They're like their own art, and he is like a master of making them. Um, 
and I'm not just blowing smoke. Like he just knows a way to fix everything and how to um, capture and mix and the right, you know, the right things to overdub, what to do and what not to do. And I mean, it was just incredibly valuable what I learned. It is like something people would probably spend tons of money to go to school to learn and probably still not know. It was like he just threw me into the fire with this massive record. And it was like, yeah, just I learned so much and uh, continue to. But it, it was an amazing project. But he really, he really like empowered me to, to run with it, which I thought was really cool um, for someone who could you know, probably go circles around me. He let me run with a lot of it and then kind of like guided me as I was making mistakes <laughs> and was like, Hey, you shouldn't have done it like this. Why did you do it like this? You know, here's how we should do it next time kind of thing. So that was really kind of the approach because, you know, he was pastoring a church. So Man. he would kind of like chime in when I needed guidance or I would just like hit him up. But, um, yeah, I that's kind it. of the thing. Um, we're going to get to some questions in just a few seconds. Yeah. Uh, I think one of my last questions for you that I have just in this uh, part of the conversation, uh, what are like maybe two or three resources either for drummers or for producers that you Mm. found really helpful, um, lately? Ooh, resources in what way? (laughs) <laughs> just like just tutorials like, okay, templates yeah, yeah. uh video walkthroughs anything man i feel bad that i i'm on a drummer podcast and i'm mostly talking about production but it shows <laughs> you where my head is at um i don't honestly listen to an insane amount of music podcasts which or like or even books necessarily i'm trying to think what do I do? What are, <laughs> where do I get inspiration? I, I don't know. I mean, as a producer, I, li- I, I take the same approach that I do to drums in that I listen to music. Like, I know that sounds so stupid. Everyone listens to music. Oh, but um, I really do, like, I'm actually, like, very intentional about listening to music and, like, become, like, like a student of whatever it is that I'm going after with. So if I'm like really into storytelling and songs and, and lyrics, I will like just study why a person wrote something and like, man, that's so cool how they crafted that and how they switched it on this verse. And like, I've that's something that I've been a student of all things, um, songwriting and producing for the last probably five years. But I, you know, the decade before that was all drums. So it was like every record I was listening to, I was listening to what the drummer was doing and the tones and um, just like trying to mimic them exactly. Like when I was, when I had time to practice drums all the time, um, I did it the same way that I did in high school. I would just play, I'd make a playlist and I would play along to songs and I would try to play them exactly like that drummer and that was um it's honestly like harder than it sounds because it's so easy to like play along to a fun song and then just do your own thing you're like i'm remixing it or whatever and but i found it's so valuable to learn other people's 
like natural habits because they're not yours. And I will say, um, so I, in between 2016 and now I'd worked, um, to do the worship online tutorials, um, and like kind of help them start that. And, um, I did that for two years and I think in two years I did over 250 tutorials or something crazy. But, um, that was like a, uh, it was brutal to do, um, But I grew so much as a player in that time because I had to learn the parts exactly. And, I mean, we talk, like, people make fun of worship music sometimes for being easy. And it's, I mean, maybe in the early 2000s or the 90s it was, but it was, it's really hard. (laughs) It can be really hard. There are definitely easy songs, but, you know, I prided myself on trying to make sure that i was nailing all those drummers parts and man it was like it was hard and so i but i could i could tell how much better i was getting because i was learning you know all the hillsong songs and those guys tendencies are so different than mine and bethel's and even planet shakers and israel and like all these things that were like even genres that i wasn't like fully comfortable with fully or like didn't have the ability i figured out how to have the ability so that i could try to pull off these tutorials and then to have to teach them and like speak about like why i did every part was like brutal for me because i i don't like explaining i never had i never had lessons growing up and so i never i'm not a very learned player um and didn't have like patience for it but to teach it was like a whole nother thing. So I I mean that could be an incredible resource but in my mind like everything that I've done is just taken what someone else has done and tried to mimic it exactly and then naturally their instincts and their habits probably their things that are just natural I start to take some of my favorite things from each of those players and kind of incorporate them and i mean that's all of our playing is is like we take all these drummers that we admire and work it into what we do and it becomes our style and at first you start with copying in anything you do you start with copying and then over time you start to embellish and then you have your own flavor of that and that's how like all music has been made so I know that that's not three resources, but definitely as a drummer, that that has been the thing. And um, even as a songwriter and producer, I listen to music that I love, and and I also try to listen to music outside of what I'm fully like, what I want to listen to. I kind of make it a bit of a job to listen to music um, hmm. and to stay up on what's going on. Obviously, there's like not because there's so much music coming out, there's like a lot of not good music. And sometimes I just want to listen to old great records and that's probably showing my age. But like (laughs) I try to every Friday, you know, kind of stay up on at least what's kind of going on and paying attention. And I just listen, I listen to producers that I like, like, Ooh, what did they do again? And just like study the arc of the song and the samples and, the drum sounds and the just everything, the vocal production. And um, I try to recreate it in what I'm doing and like seeing if like, oh, that's inspiring. See if I can do something like that in what I'm working on. 
And especially in worship music, um, you know, assuming everyone listening to this is someone who plays in church, um, in any instrument, though, um, and even as a producer, I try to take the things that I hear outside of worship music and infuse them into the church. And I think that's the beautiful thing about church music is that we it's a bit genreless. Like, it definitely has a sound, yeah. and there's certain um, sounds of worship, but I think it should be kind of genreless. <laughs> it's just like all expressions of music are wel- are welcome to the table, and sounds and, like, innovative things and programming. And so I try to just bring all those things as my main inspiration rather than taking inspiration from another, you know, house of worship or an artist or anything like that in our world just because i don't know i just feel like it's just what i feel like is the freshest thing to do and um to create like an authentic sound of my own but yeah yeah. no very cool man um you mentioned like listening to some producers uh are there any off the top of your head any producers that come to mind when you're thinking that Yeah. Maybe there are some drummers yeah, sure. or musicians listening that want to grow in this area and yeah, and can point them in a direction. Well, my like my hero or like who I would love to be like or meet one day is Pharrell Williams. Um, he he obviously works on it. He's worked. He's had a million hits in um, in twenty thirty years thirty, um, but he. Yeah, he just like continues to like stay fresh and he um is always like he's always his sound always sounds like him and somehow it doesn't fully go out of style. Like mm. I told I was talking to somebody about this today but I feel like he's like the Ralph Lauren of music. It's like it's always still going to be kind of cool even if it's not fully hot or in right now. Like Polo will always be like Yeah. yeah, but this is polo. It's sick. And so, um, maybe not everybody feels that way, but I love Ralph Lawrence. <laughs> but um, those are my two heroes. But I, I'm, I'm always paying attention. If, if Pharrell's name is on it as an artist or as a producer, I'm going to pay attention to it. And um, yeah, there's a lot of players. Um, there's a pop producer named Ian Kirkpatrick. He's done... a lot of Dua Lipa's biggest songs, like he did Don't Start Now, or Don't Stop Now. What the heck is that song called? Um, yeah, his programming and the way he does stuff is just what I, what I would think that I would like to be like. <laughs> He's just like a genius programmer and song builder. Um, there's an artist slash producer slash DJ named Miramasa who is... always doing things that blows my mind um yeah there's so many but those nice. are the first three that come to mind yeah, yeah that's awesome okay we're gonna jump to some questions some are a little like poking fun okay cool uh l- i can take just, it all right uh where was it john lee says when's the take you at your word bridge drum reel oh yeah <laughs> i really like set people up for that i was like Let, let's do a reel and then i haven't had time but i really do need to do it um yeah maybe i'll do it next week but <laughs> no i do pressure. need to do it uh all right 
Any idea when you think Andy Harrison will be back on? Oh, I guess that's a question for me. Uh, from Joe Biden falls upstairs. Um, oh, Joe, wow. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> um, let's go. Uh, how come you don't use 42 snare strands? Oh. Like a David Whitworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't not like them altogether. Um, I think I definitely I tried them for myself, and I just couldn't get the desi- like the desired sound. Essentially, it's not that I think that the one is better than the other. I just found that I got like a cleaner, tighter sound with a twenty-four strand, um, and I also love the Custom Pro strands because I love the way they sit on the snare, and I can just like get them right and they're the easiest to work um yeah i think just personally for the sound that i want i think that the bigger ones just sound there's too much bottom sizzle for me and i feel like 24 is like the happy medium it's just like a preference thing really but i'm sure it's great on other drums (laughs) yeah yeah quinton jackson says not a question but just want to shout Austin out for always being there for me when I need advice or anything pertaining to music or ministry. It means a lot. Oh, that's super cool. Quinn's awesome, man. Um, yeah, lots of people just saying, I'm a big fan, big fan. Um, Jonathan Rufus. Um, what is Out With The Old from Dustin Yeary? Oh. Talk to us. Um, so Out With The Old is a clothing company that i'm starting uh with three other friends of mine andrew holt nate lampa and adam nolan um and it's been something that's kind of like been brewing for a while uh i've wanted to start a clothing company since before i played drums like i can remember back as far as fourth grade like drawing my own logos and like i have composition books full of logos and i used to draw a lot as a kid and um yeah clothing and fashion and all those things have been a passion of mine just since as long as i can remember and so it i've start i've tried to start a million different things over the years and i've had the like tension building for such a long time to do it and a million brand names later uh <laughs> uh we um I finally like asked some friends to help me do it because I I realized all these ideas were just going to be, you know, captured in my mind and I just kind of be torturing myself, like trying to figure out how to start a brand. And um, so, yeah, I asked my buddies to be a part of it. And uh, yeah, so Out With The Old has not launched yet. It's it's soft launched in that there's an Instagram and I just post stories to it of like the progress. In fact, like this would be progress right here of like what I've been working on, but Your that's why says, this is show all... us the rug. Oh yeah. There is a sick rug. <laughs> it's back there. Hold on. I'll get it. Go, go, go. Thank you. Genevieve or Genevieve, as we say in French. It's not this silence is not going to be good for the podcast. <laughs> sick. Anyway, out of context, but no, that's, it's the, all good. that's one of the logos, but Dustin Yeary's wife actually made that rug. So, 
Wow. Anyway, it's it's a clothing company that will hopefully launch um, at the start of the new year. So it's it's on its way. It's just taken a while. So actually, then when Dustin is asking what is out with the old, he's actually setting you up to talk about it. I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> he knows more than he's letting on. Yes. Um, okay. Moving on. Uh, Cesar asks, "How did mug?" In the cup holder start. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't know how these weird little Instagram things happen. I don't mean for them. Like I posted one day about how I liked blueberry muffins and then it became this thing <laughs> about how Austin is in love with blueberry muffins. And I was just like, no, I just like just that day I was like feeling sentimental about blueberry muffins. But, um, and the same thing with the kick drum thing, uh, with people t- tagging me and sound checking their kick drum. Like I doing didn't. It right? Yeah, I I don't even know how or why that started, um, but it was fun. But um, the mug thing is the same, except I am a bit on like a high horse about it in that I I hate travel mugs, and I'm like, surely there are people out here that that think that coffee doesn't taste good in travel mugs yeah. because agreed. Yeah, they don't, and we just like we decide. You know, society tells us that we need <laughs> these travel mugs because it's safer. But you know, if you want to drink out of a regular mug in your car, then you should feel free to do that because it's gonna taste good. And if you're like, if you're like me, I buy nice coffee beans. I take a long time to make my coffee, and the last thing I want to do is throw it in something that's going to make it taste like metal or taste like my dishwasher. And it's, it's just a bummer. I'm like, this coffee experience is ruined. And so I just posted about it. Um, it's anytime I post about something twice, like if that means like, Oh, I must be like making a statement in that I posted about it one day and people thought it was funny. And then I did it again the next day. And then people started tagging me in it. Um, Love but it, it was honest that was honestly a nice one to have some affirmation because that's really what I was looking for. I was like, there's gotta be more people like me in this world who just want to have their coffee in a regular mug. But I'm I'm weird like that. Like I'll take a mug on vacation. Like I don't want to like use other people's mugs because I'm like particular about the way they fit in my hand and the way the yeah. mouth feels and yeah, I love I love mugs. So This is there mine. You go. I um that one it fits glass is nice. Yeah, it fits perfectly in my cup holder in the car. Yeah. Sunday mornings See, on the way there to church. You go. There's yeah, there's a couple of tricks that you have to do to be like a master of it. One is like it has to be able to sit into the cup holder just a little bit. It looks like that one probably does up into the you know, to the handle, which is nice. Yeah. So you got a little bit of stability and then you can't overfill your coffee, obviously. And then you have to do the like one hand like use your hand as hydraulic situation you can't rest your arm (laughs) on anything you have to keep it elevated so that when you hit a speed bump you create a hydraulic situation but pro tip for anyone who's out there feeling empowered to take their mug out on the road yeah we're gonna actually clip that segment right there and (laughs) that's gonna be the advertisement for this oh hilarious Um, hey, a few more minutes. So yeah. let us know if you have any other questions in the live stream chat. Um, this has been fun, man. Good to oh, catch yeah. up. And Very fun. Like we didn't even talk 
much about drums and gear and all this other stuff. But dude, ask me anything, dude. We don't need to. Um, <laughs> so okay, there's one other question I saw here from Daniel. What inspired your head tattoo? Big question. Uh, um, should I show it? Yeah, for context. That was insane. I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> and, yeah, that's not. I can hair, never. People. I've, oh, what the heck? Siri just opened on my computer. Cool. Um. Anyway, yeah. So the head tattoo, the the placement of it doesn't fully matter as much. Other than I was like, I'm bald. I've been bald for a long time. I lost my hair when I was really young, and that was like a sad thing. And you know, I'm much better about it now. But I was like, "What do I have to lose? I've already lost everything." <laughs> Very I'm dramatic, you, bro. No, I, it's you know, it's a hard thing when you're losing it. It it actually is like not to get on a bald soapbox about it, but it, it's like it that want to talk about like identity stuff. It's like your hair is like losing your hair is embarrassing for anybody. So, and I was really young when I was losing it. So anyway, I I think I was like, I'm turning 30 and I had this like, you know, maybe this is like a, you know, sort of midlife crisis already. But um, I was just like, I have all this real estate. <laughs> and um, I just liked, I had seen some, some photos of people who had tattoos behind their ears. And I, so initially it was going to be just behind my ear. And then I had seen this other picture of someone who got it kind of like wrapped around their ear. And I was like, oh, that's so sick. I don't know if I could handle that, but, and that would be such a gnarly move, but I think I could do it. It's so sick. And, um, but anyway, like the inspiration for me was I, I had written this, like one day I was on an airplane and I just, for some reason I get the most inspired about everything in life when I'm traveling. And um, for some reason it was like, it felt like a God downloaded thing cause I couldn't stop typing. And it was really just like, I had spoke at this like church conference, um, like breakout session and I was coming home and I just like had all these feelings about creativity and like the person that I hope to be. And, um, also just wanting to like inspire people with things that I think about creativity and what it is and what it isn't. And, um, and it was all just like kind of based around like I created this character in my head of like the pioneer and it was, um, yeah, I mean, it's on my Instagram. You can scroll back, but it's on my Instagram somewhere called the pioneer. And, um, it, a lot of it was just for me to just word vomit a little bit. And I, I literally couldn't stop typing for hours. Um, I've never had that happen to me before. I'm not even like, the guy who's like a lyricist like i don't write poems i don't i'm not typically even the guy in the right who is like the main lyric writer but that day it was just like everything was just like flowing out and i was just very inspired and um and i posted it and it it seemed like it resonated with a lot of people and it felt vulnerable to even release um to the world but I don't know. I was just like, well, these are my thoughts on creativity. And anyway, so that when I knew I was going to get on my head, I was like, well, this has to be a significant tattoo. Like I can't just get like a tattoo of like Winnie the Pooh on my head or like, right. You know, like something ridiculous, like this has to have meaning. And 
I do honestly think that there is significance to it being on my head now in that um, that writing, I gave it to this artist. Her name is Rachel Cunningham. She, her shop is called True Eden and she, what she does is very special and she's a believer and she like prays over the tattoos and like, you know, ask the Holy Spirit for like direction and you kind of like give her like what you want and she kind of interprets it. And so I told her, I was like, I'm going to get this on my head. I only want to get it from you because I don't want like a hard looking tattoo and all of her tattoos are very like elegant and beautiful. And I was like, if I'm going to get it on my head, it's got to be like something that's beautiful. And also because <laughs> it being on my head will already be so gnarly. Um, and she just like took the text and kind of ran with it and then we kind of went back and forth on like mock-ups of it and um so yeah like the bird and the arrow is like obviously like the thing that's like moving forward and like taking ground and it's got this like tool to help it like break down things and shoot down things in the way and it's all about this like forward motion which is like why i think it's cool that it's in the front of my head but it's just like you know, where my head's at, keeping my head down, looking forward. And, um, and then there's the flower behind it and the feather that it's leaving. And the flower is like, you know, that you're leaving beauty behind in the wake of like what you're pioneering, what you're pushing through. Mm. And then the feather that's like left on the ground is like the, you know, leaving part of yourself behind for the next people to pick up and wow. follow. And so that's really like, It's the most meaningful tattoo I have, but I knew if it was going to be on my head, it better mean something good. Yeah. And I, it was crazy when I was writing that whole text, I, I literally was like, this is what my head tattoo is going to be. Cause at first I was like, it would just be cool to get a head tattoo. And then it was like, oh no, now this has like a, a thing for me. Yeah. So, but yeah, very cool. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. And it's on an album cover, I think too, right? Yeah, yes. I <laughs> um, wrote and produced some songs for this artist girl who goes to belonging. Actually, her name is Olivia Grasso. She's amazing. And uh, we wrote this song called uh, Risk. And it's kind of about, you know, like taking a chance on things. Obviously, it's called Risk. And there's a line in the song that says, get a stupid tattoo. And so then, I don't know, she, I, I, it became this whole thing that like while I got the tattoo it became like a bit of a photo shoot as well and became like the kind of the like inspiration it kind of like yeah the photo was inspired you know by the how gnarly getting a head tattoo is I guess <laughs> but I think it was also kind of she was inspired by the pioneer text as well and so um, yeah that's where that came from Oh, that's cool. All right, we have a few questions. What? Yeah. What? How much time do you have on Earth? <laughs> on this live stream? Uh I'm I'm good. I'm okay. good. Sweet. Um, I hear music. Is that my wife playing piano? I did sort of hear music, but it wasn't too loud. Yeah, she's playing piano upstairs. I mean, it's sorry for everyone it's who might beautiful. hear that. Um, okay, what do you think about blackbird snare drums? Uh, 
I don't know. I can't have an opinion because I've never played one. But um, I know uh, it could be Dan, great. Dan from Hillsong loves them. Yeah. I mean, uh, if, if Dan loves them, then I love them. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, Noah Plays Drums is asking, do you think it's important to learn multiple instruments in order to be a good music producer? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I didn't learn them to be a producer. I just, I started on piano as a kid and I didn't like it, but my dad was a pianist. And so I naturally learned piano and kind of bailed and then picked up drums. And then once I fell in love with drums, for some reason I fell in love with guitar and just like wanted to learn all of it. Um, so maybe I was preparing for something that was in the future that I didn't know, but, um, there are definitely producers who don't play a lot of instruments and you can totally do it. And there's so much software now that you don't really need to. Um, there's probably lots of producers that play nothing. Um, <laughs> but, um, no, I, I don't think you have to do it. I think that there are advantages to all things like there are definitely advantages to knowing how to play an instrument i think if i didn't know because of the world that i'm in so like writing lots of worship music is very piano based um if i didn't know how to play piano i'd be up a creek you know and i'm not yeah. a good piano player but i've learned enough to get me through rights i know the chords at least but um but then think of what kind of song could manifest if I was a real piano player and I knew more chords and more keys and that sort of thing. So I always feel kind of handicapped that I'm not as good as somebody who could play. But then because I'm not a technically good piano player or synth player or bass player, those people always come up with weirder out-of-the-box ideas yeah, and stuff that maybe a piano player wouldn't because they're used to the like this is the way I do it and it's probably the same way with drums like there'll be a lot of producers that I'll track drums for and then they're a keys player and they programmed a drum thing and I'm like that's super weird I would never program that or think of that but it's super cool um, and they think about kick patterns and things um, in a weird way but then they also feel like man, if I was just a drummer, this would be so much easier. And I think, man, if I was just a keys player, this would be so much easier. Um, yeah. And I'm sure guitar players feel the same way. So there are advantages. It is nice that I can play multiple instruments to get my demos by, but I still pretty much always hire someone else to play it better than me. Um, uh, but you don't have to. But I think if you have the passion to and you're like excited to learn, you should definitely chase that. I think it's valuable for drummers to learn something outside of what they do just because you essentially bring more value to what you do in music and what you have to offer people and can create more jobs in that way for you. Amen. Cool. Um, any advice? This is from Isabella. Any advice for a young church drummer? Mm. Young, I don't know if that means in age or young as in beginner. Yeah. Um, well, it's, that's a pretty like wide question, but um, I'm assuming that this person is like hoping to do something in drums or excel in some way. 
um, or, you know, over time. Um, I think if you're young and starting out, even um, what I always tell people is when anyone asks me, like, you know, how she's, to, she's 14 years old, by the way. She okay, epic. Respond. That's awesome. I started when I was 11. Um, not too far off. But um, no, I, I would, when I started, I played as much as I could. Um, my dad was the wor- worship pastor. And so I had, I didn't own a drum kit. I actually never owned a drum kit until I started touring with Carrie. Fun fact. Um, I only ever practiced at my church or wow. at like my friend's house who had a drum kit. But because my dad was the worship pastor, I always had access to the stage, even though the staff hated me um, (laughs) for it. Um, But so I just like, it became something once I realized like, oh, I'm excelling at this. Like, this is probably something I'm good at. I became obsessed with it. And all I cared about in the world was being the best drummer um, that I could be like to push myself to the best of my abilities. And, Um, so any second that I had with even just drumsticks, like I carried drumsticks in my backpack at school and I get them taken away from me at school because I'd be playing during lunch on bleachers or whatever. Like I was that annoying kid. Um, and just like practicing rudiments and like drum roll things. And, um, I mean, and I was, I was already, I started playing in church from day one of learning how to play drums. And so it was just like everything in my life has been that way. I've just been like thrown in the fire and, you know, figure it out and you learn the best that way. And I think the more you can position yourself to just to put yourself in like hard positions. And even if you're going to like fail, you will get better and it will push you. And I always, anytime people are like, how do I get to do what you're doing? The first thing I say is like, um, you know, ultimately has to be God's design for your life and your career and your path to get to do music or get to play drums or whatever. Um, all, that's the main thing and like seeking him and like knowing, you know, that that is what he's called you to do. Yeah. But also I'm just like, if your church is the best place to learn because, um, it's just like accepting and um, there's, there's, you know, there's a service every week. So you have a chance to grow every week. And I just tell people to be faithful, like be faithful with what you have. Um, You know, it's, I didn't really, I grew up with social media, but it was like later on and it was MySpace and nobody was posting about their drum kits and stuff on MySpace from church. Like that wasn't a thing. Now it's like you see everybody doing everything at a high level and there's comparison and there's like, man, I wish I could do that. And I didn't have any of that. There was just like the big bands, you know? And um, so I I feel like I just kept my head down. I lived on an island and in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and it was like fat chance that I'd ever get to like play drums outside of that and or make money doing it or get to do anything big, play on albums and stuff like that. But so I just was like, Playing at church was my, you know, that was the show. That was like, this is what I get to do. This is the best place that I have to play. And I wasn't 
really like playing out until high school where I, you know, started rock bands with friends and we'd play concerts. But other than that, church was the only place for me to get to put into work what I had practiced during Mm. the week. And so, yeah, I would just stay faithful, um, serve as much as you can, as much as is asked of you. And um, if you're not at a level that, you know, that they need you yet and you need to grow, I would just take that as fuel to like, I'm going to get good. Like I'm going to get, I, you know, I wasn't the best drummer when I came on. There were lots of drummers at my church who were better than me. And it just, it took years of like, I was so determined to like be able to like have a seat at the table. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying this in like a way that people should be like climbing a ladder in church and all that. I I don't want to make it like that. But I just mean like take it as fuel to like to be someone who can serve at a high level and to grow yourself, not not for the platform, not to like be the guy or the girl, but just to take it as like fuel to to grow, to be the best that you can be. And if drums is like what catapults you out of there one day to do bigger things, then that's that would be amazing. Amazing. So Isabella, hope that inspires you and encourages you to keep on going. Um, Okay, we got a few more questions. Uh, Daniel's asking, what symbols did you use for the Eyes on You recording? So I think that's the See the Light album. Yeah. Um, Let me think. See the Light. At at church, do you guys use um, Istanbul? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we play Istanbul Agap symbols, um, and I think on that recording was using the 17-inch Exist Dark Dry Hi-Hats, and then the 22-inch Exist, uh, what is it called, <laughs> Power Crash, and then the 24-inch Joey Warnker ride and a 22 inch Mel Lewis ride. And that's, those are typically the symbols we still have, um, at the belonging. And that's kind of my go-to setup for, um, for church, for a church setting and worship. Uh, and then we also had the clap stack as well. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, I think, did you just get some new symbols I saw like two, yeah, a week or two ago? I did. Yeah, I got some fun stuff. Um, Istanbul just released a line of the Dark Dry series that are all brilliant. Um, and so I got a couple of those. I got a 22-inch crash of the Exist Dark Dry Brilliant, which that's a really long name for that crash. <laughs> um, and then I got the 17-inch hi-hats, so just basically the brilliant versions of the hi-hats we have at the church and the ones I play all the time. Um, I got a splash, like a traditional splash, because I think I'm going to start working that in. 10-inch? Yeah, it's a 10-inch. Smallest symbol I think I've ever owned in my entire career. And, uh, I mean, I used to play them, like, growing up in church, but I just have never owned one. Yeah. Um, I'm stoked about that. I think I got an Exist 22-inch ride, and uh, I got the Exist 
power hi-hats, the 14s, real bright, real, like, kind of small, very, yeah. like, a custom-esque. Um, yeah, I've, I've just been, like, making music and, like, tracking stuff that sounds very Travis Barker-inspired. Nice. And like pop punk era and i realized all i have is dark vibey washi symbols and yeah. i was like guys i need i need bright kind of annoying sounding symbols <laughs> um so i was kind of chasing some of that vibe but i have yeah they're awesome oh, that's so cool man well, i'm sure we'll hear them soon when you make that real <laughs> <laughs> soon enough no we can um okay uh Corey Butler is asking, hey, what's up, Corey? Uh, this is a pretty deep question. What oh, do you no. feel is the biggest difference between your drumming and the drummers you admire most? Wow. <laughs> huh. That's a good question. I've never been asked anything like that, I don't think. The biggest difference between well, your drumming and the drummers you admire most yeah i mean that's hard to answer in that the natural thing would be that uh i none of them like necessarily played or worked in christian or worship world um hmm. but i think that that is what's cool about what i get to do and anyone gets to do is that like I said before, I take those like favorite influences and have infused it into what is now my style of approach. Like, um, but the biggest difference between, I could say all the similarities <laughs> <laughs> probably, but, um, man, I don't know. It's maybe too deep of a question at the tail end <laughs> of an I'm hour. I'm malfunctioning, <laughs> but I, I want to be able to answer it. But yeah, I, I feel like I could say like all the things that are similar about what we do. But yeah, I guess we just do it on different platforms or different, totally different lanes. Mm. And um and none of I think because none of them play worship music is that's why I brought that up is just because that is like the biggest difference is like yeah. I get to take the styles from all these different things and like infuse it into a world they probably don't even know or maybe they wouldn't even be good at because worship is like even though like say the parts are simple or whatever there's a feeling and there's an emotion and there's like a spiritual like pouring out when we're like leading from our instrument that they don't experience in the same way if they're not yeah. godly people, you know, or whatever. Um, yeah. that's kind of a weird way to say that, but, um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, um, like I've, I've done some like pop gigs before. I'm sort of answering the question in a roundabout way. I've done pop gigs where like, you know, you have a 12 song set you and they're all three minute songs and you play top to bottom and you perform and there's like perfect transitions and it's just like, boom, like that was our set. We crushed it. And all that means is that you nailed the parts yeah. perfectly and you hit the hits and then people went crazy. And worship is like, 
worship is like a lot of improv, at least mm. in what I'm what in the worlds I'm in at the belonging, the church I grew up in with Carrie and Cody, we have a plan and we have arrangements and we work hard on like making them as dope and exciting and accessible as possible. And then, and then you also kind of throw it out the window and so much of it is feel and, um, yeah, it's a lot. Worship can be a lot of improv and feeling of a moment and, And you are like pouring out into these, like, what's going to like, you know, engage this moment with the Holy Spirit and the people in the room. And I would dare to say that those people haven't experienced that in the same capacity. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they've experienced, obviously, improv and and passionate musical moments, for sure. Everyone who's played in a band has like gotten to experience moments like that. Um, and they could maybe relate it to something like that. But I think what we do in church is unique and that's probably the biggest difference. Yeah. I'll say amen to that. Um, I want to land tonight on, um, on a specific note, which is a more spiritual one. Sure. Uh, we didn't get to like drum gear rundowns, like (laughs) Franklin drums. Yep. Istanbul Agop symbols. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you did the whole rundown on our Instagram during conference. Yeah. So uh, we can maybe link to that in yeah. the YouTube description. But um, I actually, so normally we do this on a Tuesday night. Right. And initially we had that day and I was like, oh my goodness. And yeah. Pastor Alex was here in, uh, in the GTA, the greater Toronto area. Nice. She preached last night. So my family and I were there. And... Um, what I appreciate about your church and your pastors is, uh, and you correct me if I don't get it exactly right, but it's uh, presence over presentation. Mm-hmm. That's one of them. Yeah. And for me, like obviously the belonging, you guys, there's a spirit of excellence in everything you do. Yeah. Uh, and it trickles from the top down. Yeah. And but then there's like, we're not going to compromise when it comes to having an encounter with Jesus mm-hmm. and his Holy Spirit. Um, with all of that, I just had to like lay that framework. No, that's good. Um, and then get to this point. What do you sense God is doing or getting ready to do in his church, Big C? Mm-hmm. So not just your context. And and as worshipers, as musicians, like what is our responsibility for whatever you're, you're kind of sensing is coming next for the church? Mm. Wow. It's a, it's a deep question to end, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to let that. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, kind of soul searching for me a little bit, but of like, what's what I'm expecting, but. I mean, I think it kind of goes without saying that over the last, you know, since 2020, um, you know, in 2020 at the top of it, we were all like, uh, you know, 2020 vision and like, (laughs) it's going to be amazing. And, and I, I wrote this on one of my Instagram posts at the end of 2020. I was like, we all got exactly what we asked for just not in the way we asked for it. Mm. And like, we, 
we basically saw through everything. Everything was exposed. We saw the best and worst in people. And, um, and a lot of things, you know, in churches and in Christianity and everything was just so many things were just kind of like uprooted and it felt really shaky and felt, um, uncertain and like everything, not everything, but a lot of things that it felt like we had built on or even people and all these things, you know, it felt shaky and it felt, um, you know, it, it tried and tested people. And, um, and I think that extended all the way up until now. And, you know, in, I feel like we're in like a healing part of that, um now and i know for the belonging since then our worship the i'm not just talking about the sound of the music i think the sound has shifted as well but yeah. i think there's just been this openness to um like new sounds and new um territories to take in that world and there's just like a freedom for us um that i've felt a drastic change since then um and i think our recent like music and and what henry and alex preach about since then have reflected that um but um yeah i i feel like like we're going into making a new album and I've tried to think about like, what is the thing, you know, what is yeah. the, um, what does it need to sound like? What is it, what should the song say? And, um, you know, I think in 2020, 2021, it was the songs were like praising through hard times and firm foundation. Like, no, this is what we believe in like yeah. that sort of thing and holding fast to that. But I think in this next season, what a constant theme through what Henry and Alex are preaching about, what they're inspired by. And even the songs is like, there's so much just like Holy spirit, like take over this whole situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're tired of like trying to make it, epic or make it awesome or make it something and it's just like i don't know just releasing it you know it's almost like a release to like simplicity and um yeah i i it's a hard question to answer but i do think that that is what i feel the most connected to um to the lord right now is just like this surrender and release to like i we can't do it on our own <laughs> which has then, always been a theme you know in in everything but i think more than ever it's just like a release and and just simplicity um not for the sake of like dumbing things down but um I don't know. I don't feel like I'm being very clear, but no, no, no. I think we're, we're getting the heart, the heart of it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, as we close, something just came to mind off of uh, Cody's last album that mm-hmm. "Our God Reigns," mm-hmm. 
And I've I've probably listened to it on repeat so many times. <laughs> but when that snare comes in, yeah, and and just that straight simple groove, I yeah. was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to say that. I I wonder Dude. if I could just play that, and you tell oh, me yeah. if it comes through or not. Hold on. No, but it's that, cool. Yeah, that's my f- favorite moment on the record. Um, well, not even just selfishly because it's a cool drum part, but it's like um, I also love that song. It's like one of mm-hmm. the great, one of the great worship, like anthemic choruses, and Martin and Delirious are the goats. But yes. um, no, we that's you know we play our god reigns in church all the time we used to play with carrie on the road and we had arrangements for it and i think cody was like i want to do our god reigns and he was like we listened to the original version and realized that there's like this drum groove that like is very kind of boring and it has this ringy early 2000s late 90s snare and it sounds like a loop the whole song and it's faster than we've played it in church and i was like and Cody's like, I really want to create this feeling of nostalgia to the original. Mm. That's and like the way that we played it is not like anyone would do that in church, where the drummer would just play the you know most simple groove of all time over it. And um, we're like, what if we just like tried that? And there's a moment in the in the original where Martin is just like kind of exclaiming all these things and. We had such dreams to have Martin do that live, but he couldn't make it. But wow. um, so then Cody was like, "Well, I'm going to read this scripture," and um, so then we just did it, and it just like from the get go, like we we did it in pre production, and it just was like insane. And we just I just played it, and it was like no fills, no nothing. Don't get mm-hmm. away from this until the next section of the song, and it takes a lot of discipline to do that, but. No, I freaking love, I love that part. <laughs> and the snare feels awesome. It's yeah. so fun. Yeah, I, like the whole album is amazing. It was that, for me, that track, that moment. Like, <laughs> this is it. Oh, I love it. Thank you. you. made it. Thank you. Well, this is cool, man. Thanks so much for hanging with us. It's been almost an hour and a half. So, Dude, heck uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone for hanging out for joining it joining in yeah um next month we'll we'll announce what's going on i know it's christmas so um we'll see how that all pans out but we'll do something on the live stream and have a good night everyone we love you guys and we'll be in touch thanks for having me well there you have it my conversation with austin davis i hope that you found this helpful And again, this conversation was adapted from our Worship Drummer Hangout that we do once a month on YouTube. And so if you missed it and you want to watch the video version of this conversation, you can always head to our YouTube channel. Our username or user handle there is at Worship Drummer, as you would guess. And don't forget to like and subscribe if you haven't done that already to our YouTube channel. 
Um, we love you guys. It's been a joy and privilege to hang out and spend some time. This is John Manna for the Worship Drummer Podcast. And always remember to keep the heart before beat.